0: All right It's one of my favorite songs It's by Sweet Honey In the Rock In the Morning When I Rise And It gives a hint as to where I'd like us to go today And that is Reaffirmation Of ourselves The news isn't good All around us It's pain and suffering and killing and all kinds of things are happening that diminish the spirit. And sooner or later, we come to the conclusion that we are very important to us. (laughs) We don't think ourselves as being important to us, but we are. We're the only we that we have, that we could count on, really. All over, we see shifting allegiances and shifting programs and death and killing and whatnot. So we have to pay some attention to home base and home base is you, and me, as individuals in this earth. We've got to brace ourselves and rediscover ourselves, reaffirm ourselves, because it's in an environment like this that we are further diminished to get lost. We feel more and more that we are not important. We don't matter. The big people are taking care of the big agenda, which we do not know. And we are tempted to join them, even though it is not to our advantage to do so. Let them go on with their war. We have been fighting a war for a long time. It is a war to maintain the integrity of ourselves. Against all odds. We, we prevail but we have to be more and more conscious that this is not an automatic thing. We have to work at it. We have to be deliberate about it. We have to insist on our space. We have to protect that because it is, in fact, holy space. A lot went into Bringing us this far. And a lot will be needed. To take us even further. That is very heavy work. And you'll notice. There's no room. For any of this kind of thinking. Anywhere. Now that there's. Reality of war. Everybody's supposed to be directed toward that and connected to war. I'm saying today you have to reconnect to yourself. It is vitally important. We have to remember that in our own ways, we are veterans of war, the war to snuff us out, The war to kill our culture, our history, the war to delete us from history, too. And we have had few, if any, people step forward to help us fight that war. The war of attrition has taken many of us away. Millions. And we're constantly patching, patching up as we go. Not nearly achieving the perfection that we want and desire, but making do the best we can. So I thought to myself over the weekend, how in the current situation that we're in, there is no spirituality at all. There's no grounding in any of that. There's no talk of it. There's no reference to it. There's no urging of people to go inward just a little bit even. Just go in to yourself. Firm up yourself. Because the real fight is not between Russia and Ukraine. If it's not Russia and Ukraine, it will be somebody else. Some other countries... The real fight is within us. And I want to give us some space to deal with that today by asking some questions that will take you right back to your childhood. I don't want to spring all the questions to you because you will be you'll be warned. <laughs> <laughs> and you you start composing your answer. It is meant to that I should ask you a question that right on the spot, you have to dig right into yourself and your memories of when you were a child. What informed you then of yourself? What was there about you that was special? What made you special, a special addition to the environment that you were born into? I hope you're ready. Call 888-874-4888. And let me surprise you with a question that will help you go right there. Without warning, which means that your answer is likely to be right from the heart. 888 874 And you'll see where we're we going with today's program. The minute I get the first caller and together we dive into the question. Who's going to be up first? <laughs> They're all running. They all say, oh, no, not me, not me. I'm going to wait and see where things are going. I don't want to be first, but be brave. You know I'm not going to hurt you. You know this is not about shaming you or diminishing you in any way. But it is perhaps going to be the first time in a long time, if ever, that you have asked yourself these kinds of questions. 888-874-4888. Where are you? I don't see you yet. (laughs) They're, uh, they're, They're cagey. They're cagey today. What's going on? Don't be cagey. They're very strong questions, but they will take you and you will take us to where we all need to go at a time like this. You'd be amazed. What you will rediscover, in some cases, you will, for the first time, discover yourself. All right. E from Edgewater, thanks for calling in. You're on the air.
1: Thanks for taking my call, dear.
0: Okay, you're welcome. So, can I ask you a question? Yes. All right. You gave me permission, and I thank you. So, here's the first question. What qualities did you have as a child? that you're glad you still have as an adult? What qualities did you have as a child that you're glad you still have as an adult?
1: Okay, hey, I, I was uh, very curious about things, and I like to uncover things and see how they work and what things were all about. You know, I was very, uh, had a good imagination and I liked to discover things and uncover things. That's what I spent most of my time doing when I was a young boy.
0: How did that manifest itself in your adult life, that trait?
1: Well, I think it, it developed into... Not uh, settling for, for the easy answer, you know? There's always something else going on that you need to discover and you need to find out about. And, you know, always be skeptical about things because there's a lot of lying going on in the world. And if you're going to survive here, you have to be aware of that and not just be gullible and allow yourself to be tricked Get to go this way and that way, you know. Always question things, and that's what I kept as an older man now. So, those are uh, those are the things that I felt were most beneficial to me. As far as
0: are you the- glad that you I- kept this particular trait about yourself? Are you glad that you held on to it?
1: Yeah, I'm very glad that I did especially at nine years old in 1963 when uh, John F. Kennedy was murdered, you know, nine years old, I knew something else was going on and there wasn't uh, we weren't being told the truth. So I started my skepticism back then and kept it till now. And I'm glad I did.
0: How have people, Ever since you were a kid, as far as you could remember, how did people react to you having this trait? You're not an easy person to convince. You are always skeptical about things. You question things. How have people reacted to that in you?
1: You you, you brought something up in my mind that, always with my mom, you know, cause she was a housewife. She would be taking care of me when I was young. She'd take me for walks and we'd go play. But if it was come to something about health, she, and I would say, I don't need to do that, I'm strong. And then she would say, but you're not a doctor. How do you know? You're not a doctor. You know, that was always her line, you know. If you wasn't a doctor, then you can't talk about anything that you're not expert at, you know. So I always told her that that's not true, Ma. You know, you have to investigate. You have to, like, use your mind and not just settle for what the doctor tells you you need to do. But, you know, unfortunately, I was unable to convince her because I was just a little boy and she was an adult. So I had to go by what she was saying my father. Unfortunately.
0: Well, thank you for getting us started today and for sharing your memories with us. Thank Thank you. All right. That was, that wasn't, that wasn't bad, was it? Michelle from Queens, you're on the air.
2: Good afternoon, Eugene.
0: Good afternoon. Are you ready for your question? Yes, ma'am. Okay, let's go with that. Who or what inspires you?
2: Oh, hands down, my mom. In what ways does she inspire you? Well, you know, my mom um, sacrificed so much. Uh, for her family. Um she was a motherless child and a fatherless child. Um her mother died uh, giving birth to her second child when she was only 3 years old. So my mom um grew up without her mother. Her grandmother raised her. And her father um was never really a, a force in her life, um uh, in any way shape or form. So um Walk having those wounds as a child. Um, you would think it could go either way. Either she'd be an amazing mom and very attentive, or repeat the sight kind of of, of what she experienced, and then kind of abandon her children as well. But but she didn't. Um, she was an amazing mom, and um, nothing she wouldn't do for us. She had four girls, and. Oftentimes, when holidays came around, she would make sure we had ribbons for our hair and Easter dresses and stuff like that, and she wouldn't even buy a pair of underwear for herself. You know, so she turned around what some would perceive as a negative to a positive and just became a a selfless individual.
0: When did you realize that this was what she was doing, and she was doing it? with
2: a purpose? I'd say in high school. um, My mom used to, she has a third grade education and uh, migrated to this country from Jamaica. Um, And we were separated for several years um, while her paperwork came through to be able to sponsor her children. So when we finally did come, um, and it was in high school before I realized exactly how my mom was providing for us, and one of the things she used to do was um, clean homes, um, and um, one uh, Saturday, uh, she said to me, um, I have two places to clean today. Um, I need you to come with me because I won't be able to complete both of them in time, and it wasn't really like a choice like, I need you to do this. So we went, got on the train and rode into Manhattan. And when we walked into that apartment and you I can't tell you, um, it was a single man, a bachelor who had many pets and just piles and piles of dishes and just filth and, uh, you know, borderline hoarder. And, uh, we had an hour to clean that entire apartment. And that's something, I don't know how she was doing it all by herself all that time, but um, it really gave me a deeper appreciation that this is what she's doing to keep our lights on and, you know, clothes on our back and, and food on the table. Cause my dad had passed away when I was eight. So she was a widow and uh, trying to make lemonade out of lemons.
0: How did this revelation come to you, and, and what did you do once you found out You know the, the, the story behind the story? Here is your mother, but she is working very, very hard to provide the basics, to keep the family together. How did that realization affect you?
2: Well, it started that day in high school when I realized how hard, uh, you know, all the energy and effort she puts out, um, into just surviving, but it really crystallized for me at her retirement party. Um, she ended up working at a, at a hospital as a ward clerk, um, kind of like administrative assistant, um, at a hospital in Brooklyn and the team that she worked for, um, revered her so because of her just awesomeness overall dedication just always going above and beyond so when she was retiring they threw her a retirement party Um, the doctors got together and did that and to this day gives me goosebumps when i remember how person after person just came up to that microphone and said thank you for the christmas shoes that you gave my family thank you for the, you know, um, the meals that you would provide on a Sunday for my grandmother. Thank you for, I mean, and the list just went on and on, and it was just Kleenex going around the room when you realize, how did (laughs) one person who had so little (laughs) give so much, you know, of herself? You know, whatever she had, she willingly gave and shared. So that moment just crystallized everything for me, and I realized it's not just us. She's not just doing this just for her children. You know, it's for anyone and everyone um, that she could help. She did to the best of her ability. And in what ways have you
0: uh, adopted some of her traits?
2: Well, you know, they say the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. And I think uh, that's definitely the case for... For, I'd say, three out of the four of us, <laughs> um, uh, we've all, um, we're all a, a little, we all have a little bit of her inside of us, and we kind of go through life um, giving and sharing um, in our own ways to, to those that are in need, for sure. And uh, blessed to see my mom still be here with us. She's nine. She's going to be ninety in July, and oh. we're throwing her a little celebratory gathering. And uh, now my sister, who's her primary caregiver, is able to pour into her and take care of her in her elderly years the way she did for us. So it's come full circle.
0: You're very, very fortunate. And your mom is very fortunate to have children like you. Thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. 888-874-4888. Ed from Queens, you're on the air.
3: Good afternoon, Eutrice.
0: Good afternoon. So... I want to ask you a question. This is kind of touchy-feely today, Uh, and you're accustomed to dealing with hard facts. (laughs) This is going to ask you to be a little bit uh, uh, touchy-feely today. you far
3: away. I'm I'm, open. Far away. Okay. (laughs) Did you develop
0: a different reading? Of life early on, but were not understood
3: hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah kind of and, uh in the days of of my youth i uh i I tended to explore different things, different ideas. I was raised primarily in a Lutheran household. And uh, from the day I acquired understanding at around eight or nine years old, as far as, uh, you know, getting outside of the ego and and looking at other people and how I affected them and how they, and how I allowed them to affect me. It made me question first religion, then, uh, you know, then life uh, government and interpersonal relationships. So around eight or nine, I'd say, yeah, I pretty much, uh, pretty much had a, well, at first it was a contrarian view, but uh, <laughs> it became a more uh, a more open door, or or more yielding uh, uh, view of the world and the way it, the way it's supposed to work and the way it actually does work. So, relatively useful. Yeah, I didn't know how to describe it then, but as time went on, I found a vocabulary to to cover my my. Uh, my strange way of looking at things, some from, thought. From
0: and has it held held you well over the years? Or did you find yourself moving away from your initial view of yourself?
3: Well, I believe, you, I believe the only way that you can be productive as far as a human being is to be open to change and growth. Everything changes, you know, you start off one way and you transform, you know, you know the old saying, what walks on four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, in the day and, and three legs in the, in the evening. And that's man, you know, first you crawl and you walk and you're using a cane if you're lucky. So yeah, I've I've, I've always been receptive to change, but uh, you know, not, it hasn't been easy. There, there, there were some object lessons that I had to learn the hard way, and uh, but I feel that when you learn something, well, for me personally, when you learn something, difficult, when I learn something that is very difficult, it's a lesson that tends to stay, and I, and I can reflect on it, and that's how you acquire wisdom because you can always know something, but wisdom is applying that knowledge to the betterment of your condition, and that's what I learned how to do. Sometimes at loss or at great loss, personal level-wise, but the, the hard lessons are the ones that stick with you. How has it served you over the years? It's made me more resilient. I mean, I, I've always admired resiliency. I've seen that in my father and, and uh, my uncles. Uh, an ability to persevere in, uh, in great odds when, when things are against you. The ability to get up and to keep you focused, to, to do the little things that, that, that keep you grounded, to not get lost in, in the storm, to, to, to be an anchor for yourself and for your family. And I've tried to emulate that, uh, that characteristic for the better part of my life. Um, there was a time when it was difficult, but as I said, hard lessons are, are the true. for me. Hard lessons are the true lessons. They keep you, they keep you grounded. They keep you, they keep your feet firm, and they keep you moving forward. So, uh, resiliency, persistence, and are you glad
0: that you held on to that? So far, so far, I
3: mean. Uh, it hasn't failed me yet. <laughs> it hasn't you know, failed sometimes you. I learn things the hard way. It, ha- it hasn't <laughs> failed me yet. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not. where I want to be, but I'm not where. But but where I was is not where I want to be back. So, and uh, mm-hmm. there's always there's always room for improvement. Very much so. Thank you. This is very
0: upbeat. Very revealing, by the way. Uh, the the answers we've gotten to what I suppose you could call esoteric questions. These are not the kinds of questions that people are accustomed to being asked, let alone answer. But we can see how conscious, even if you're not always conscious, that there's a consciousness about it. Things that emerge in your life that never go away. Because they've made an indelible impression on your life. Thanks so much for calling in. Reflection is definitely good for the soul. Yes, it is. Thank you. Thanks so much for calling in. 888-874-4888 is the number to call. Uh, We're proceeding with some esoteric questions today. And... The, the whole idea behind this is to reaffirm yourself about things that you normally don't even think about. But we are seeing and we are hearing that in life, early in life, we are taught lessons that some of us, have grappled, my father used to say have grappled unto our breast with hoops of steel, <laughs> okay, who's up next? It's Brother Dave from Brooklyn. Hello, good afternoon, all, good afternoon. Are you ready for your question? Yes, I'm I'll take my chance <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you develop a different reading of life early on that were not understood? Um, I don't
4: think that I developed uh, a reading of life early and the, uh, the way things work, the dangers and I get a, uh, I didn't get an early preparation of some things that life had in for me. In other words, I come from a, a, a Jamaican background. My mother and father were Jamaicans. And they never spent any time at all talking about all the things that they went through dealing with... Uh, how it is for uh, Jamaican American uh, family to negotiate in the United States. They never talk any thing about uh, white people and things that uh, have happened to them, nothing like that. So uh, in some respects, I didn't have um, uh, a background, that introduced me that how what I call the game works. So uh, dealing with people and not understanding that this is a big game and you have to know how to play the game. And uh, I had to learn from uh, some hard bumps at first. And I got that into my mind eventually and what happened is that I lived to uh, have a career where one of the most important things that I learned was to help other people by helping them understand the game of life that uh, they had to deal with in going into the Aviation industry, as those people know me, I'm a pilot, and I taught aviation for a long time. So uh, that is, to me, a very important thing. For If you're going to do something, you have the know-how to play the game to get where you're going to go. Now, my parents... uh, My mother was a homemaker, and she uh, started a business because I grew up in the 30s. And uh, in the 30s, uh, in Harlem and many places in New York, people couldn't afford an apartment. So uh, I know folks may not know about it now, but in those days they had lots of people that were roomers. And a rumor is a person is in an apartment with other people, and they have maybe a couple bedrooms and a furnished apartment, and uh, people like my mother that ran three apartments uh, providing for people as roomers. And uh, I remember when uh, she was doing that, uh, back in the 30s, I mean, uh, uh, rent for a month, maybe, uh, or a week, maybe only five dollars. So, uh, you know, she was very ingen- ingenious in that respect. But the big thing is, uh, for me, uh, I learned how to play the game and help a lot of people. And for me, that's the greatest, uh, Thing that I can think about is helping all the people that I have helped, many of them are pilots today, and what the game was really about and how to play it and win. And that's the way I look at it.
0: Were you able to connect ever uh, the game and The solution to the game I mean analytically did you ever put them together yes
4: yes with the hard I took uh, by being damaged and not knowing uh, the the situation uh, with the game uh, I was able to recover and learn how to help others so they did not have the same thing that happened to me happen to them. So to me, I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of, uh, the fact that I have helped (laughs) lots of people uh, into this game and making them understand that in the system that we live in, they were, uh, uh, fully capable of doing things that the game says that they can't do. So uh, those, they, those people, for example, are those people sitting in the captain's seats of big airliners all over the world. And I'm very thankful that I learned the game and helped those people get to the top. So uh, even though I was not able to do that myself, I'm so happy that I was able to help so many others, and I'm so happy about it. There's a smile on my face every
0: day. Hmm. Did you ever think of yourself as an agent of change? Um, I I would say
4: yes. I would say yes, Uh, because... uh, there were many people who uh, never imagined that they could do uh, the things that they're doing. Uh, and uh, that's within my community. Uh, things like, for example, uh, a, a black girl uh, telling me that uh, 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 her f- father told her she couldn't be a pilot; uh, she could be maybe a nurse. And so that's a big change because I had to go against her whole family that said this is that I was a crazy man telling this black girl that she could be a pilot. And it, 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 the the long and short of the story today. This black girl is flying 747 airplanes all over the world. <laughs> so uh, I think that's, that's a big change. I went against the family. But, uh, you know, I didn't win them all. I had uh, one student who told me, Mommy says being a pilot is only for white boys. And I lost him. He never recovered. But uh, the point is, I'm so happy that uh, I was able to uh, show so many people a game and how to win. Hmm.
0: Well, thank you. Do you ever uh, think about this uh, during the course of an ordinary day, and then thoughts like these come to your mind, and you... It it you, you somehow get re-energized just by thinking about that?
4: Absolutely, absolutely. So I I love it. Sometimes I I smile about it. I often think about it. I, you know, it, it's just a wonderful thing uh, to have had the things that happened to me. I don't want to tell you all the negative things that happened to me, but in spite of that. Those people who try to do negative things to me and try to kill me, they didn't win. They did not win. And I'm so happy about that. And I'm happiest about all the people that I was able to help and have them win. And I'm so happy for them as they fly all over the world doing something that
0: some people said I would never be able to do. Well, thank you very much for your contribution today. Very inspiring. And did you ever consider yourself as, when you went through these experiences, that you were actually self-healing? You were healing yourself? Um, At first, uh, yes, I
4: was. That's, That's very true. I was healing myself because uh, uh, my, uh, uh, I don't want to say enemies, but those people that took advantage of me because I did not know the game, uh, I, I'm happy that I was able to recover and, and heal myself. All of those things were healing to me, as well as the fact that I have numerous aviation uh, credentials. And the truth to be told, many of those credentials, I got them, but never used them professionally. I just had to prove it to myself that I was capable of doing it. And that's why I went and I I have a helicopter rating. I have uh, multiple seaplane ratings uh, single engine, multi-engine the instrument. I'm instructing three areas, all of these things I had to do to prove to myself. There was nothing wrong with me. And at the same time, help numerous people all over the world do those things that I was not able to do when, uh, I wanted to do it. So, uh, you know that that is how it affected me. See, I never, I never flew a airliner, but because uh, I didn't have a chance. When I came along, they didn't hire any black men to fly airliners in this country, so that was out. But now I have all these people all over the world, and I love it.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much, Brother Dave, for contributing today. I hope those listening got something out of it too uh, motivation, and that is to stay the course, especially when something inside you tells you you're right, you're on the right track. Right. Thank That's you so right. much. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Henry from Chicago, you're on the air.
5: Uh, good afternoon, Patrice. Good afternoon. You sound quite subdued. What's going on? Yeah, you know I'm calling with a little trepidation, but... Okay, go ahead. Uh, (laughs) question. (laughs) All right, so here's a question for you.
0: And it is not intended to offend. It's intended to have you go back and think about where you started to gird yourself for life. What were you like as a child or growing up that caused your parents endless worry, even despair, but you turned out to be one of your best character, it turned out to be one of your best character traits or attributes? Should I repeat? Yeah. (laughs) What were you like, as a child or growing up that caused your parents endless worry, even despair, but it turned out to be one of your best character traits or attributes.
5: Hmm. So basically what worried my parents, uh, as a child. Yeah, what were you like as a child that your parents said, that boy will never make it?
0: <laughs> no hope for him. He can't make it. And well, they were worried about you. But then it turned out to be whatever that trait was, whatever that uh, character you had was, it turned out to be one of your best
5: traits. Or your best attribute? Well, I guess two things come to mind. I guess when hanging out with friends on the south side of Chicago, uh, you know, you had the you know you had a lot of influences, uh, in particular negative influences. Uh, some of them within my own family that they probably worried that I might have hung out around too much but in reality I really didn't hang around them a lot you know I might see them like on the basketball court or in the park and uh, just you know just kind of say hi and chop it up but I would never hang out with them because I knew those type of influences would get me in trouble in jail or even killed and I know that was one of the things that my mom and my dad used to kind of worry about you know some of the people that i you know hung around or maybe they just hung around me uh but i was the type of person who was not into that type of you know not into those type of things uh i had no desire to uh, live the street life uh my my whole goal during that time was to just finish school go to college and just give me a job you know that was my you know that was you know, as a, as a child, that's what I was thinking. And it didn't dawn on me about, uh, that, you know, the neighborhood that I lived in was kind of a war zone where, you know, I could have been taken out even though I might have, you know, might not have been, you know, the intended target, but that was kind of, back then that was kind of rare. Uh, that was kind of rare, uh, even though I did see a couple of people who, uh, who did, you know, uh, lay under gunfire, even though they weren't part of the game or any type of gang. But, uh, but it helped me because of the fact that I can relate to people, all types of people, people who have been through, uh, people have been through certain things. Um, I've always considered myself fortunate within my circle of friends as a youngster, because uh, me and probably two other people in a group of about 20 of us, uh, we were the only ones who had two parent households, which means that we had a mother and a father who was married that was in our household. And I was always proud that some of my friends would look at my dad as their father because I understood that they you know they needed a, a male figure as well. So uh, my father could relate to a lot of people as well, and I think that's where I pick up that trait. And I don't you know I don't uh, judge anybody for what they've done or what they you know what they did. Uh, I don't approve of anything negative or anything like that, but I'm able to talk to folks uh, on kind of like on their level, but not compromise my own. So that kind of helped me as a youngster, even though it kind of worried my parents. And I think another, another thing that I can think of was what's so interesting is uh, I started going to public school. Uh, from K through 8, I went to a Catholic school. And uh, in my high school years, I went to, uh, uh, I went to a, a Chicago public school. And what was interesting is, you know, um, I got bored. And probably like my my sophomore and junior year, um, I started getting bad grades. (laughs) Even though when I got into uh, the high school that I was in, which was actually a pretty decent high school at the time, they enrolled me in honors classes. Uh, But I, I, I got bored and just basically kind of, didn't care about what they were trying to tell me in school. So, uh, you know, it, it was sort of like my dad was was the most worried about it because of the fact that, you know, he didn't think that I was just applying myself, which I wasn't. But he understood that, you know, uh, what they were kind of teaching me was very uh, rote type of memory, type of education. But, you know, he just did say, uh, I know it ain't it ain't what you like, but you got to go through it, and this is part of life. So I ramped it up on senior year and ended up, you know, being on the honor roll again. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think what my dad was telling me was um, I, ha- I do have to practice a discipline where if something needs to be done, whether you like it or not, it just needs to get done. So I think that's helped me as well.
0: Are you glad that you had those experiences or do you think now, because I'm sure you're a parent now, do you think about your
5: children going through the experience that you went through? Yeah, I I do. And I think my children actually go through the same thing. Like they have relatives. And they have friends who, well, not close friends, but sometimes people who may not lead them down the right path. Um, but they, but 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 I want them to see uh, how certain you know uh, certain lots in life that 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 children grow up in, how you know it kind of it kind of shapes them. How their how their particular. A scenario or scene shapes them, but I, I think the most important thing about my children that maybe they picked up from me—I'm not sure—is is that, like I said, I'm I'm relatable to a lot of people. Whether you whether you've been a criminal before, whether you are a businessman or multimillionaires, because I mean that's that you know, and it's funny because that's the people who I know. I've known people who. Spend twenty, thirty years in jail. I've no, I know. I personally know millionaires. So it's like, you know, I have a range of people who, you know, I can relate to, and basically any one of them can sit down with me, and, and I can talk to them for for hours. And you know, it, it's a, it's a it's a personality that I think, uh, you know, I'm still trying to hone, but I think I I got the gist of it because uh my thing is i always I always look at it like this I'm all you know we'll we're, we're all maybe a couple of degrees away from each other, and so what I mean by that is I could have easily been that guy who got locked up for life
0: mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> and I could have been easily that guy who could have been a millionaire but i think i'm I think I'm satisfied with where I'm at now because of the fact that. The most important thing for me is that I can relate to a lot of people. And your children see that. Yeah, I yeah, I, uh, I, I hope so. And I, I see it, you know, I, I kind of see it uh, with the type of people that they talk to as well. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm hoping they, <laughs> they're getting the lesson, uh, too, because like I said, we're all just a couple of degrees away from each other. It's a small world, and any one little one little misstep in our lives could have easily uh, changed our lives, you know, in a totally different direction. So, um, this is why I, I've always had this attitude that you know I'm not I'm not better than the next man, but I'm not worse than you know the the guy who is so called successful. So.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a very good attitude to have, and you brought us to the end of our program today, Henry. Thank you so much. Thank you. uh I like asking questions like these because we very seldom stop and think about questions like these, let alone the answers to them that we have, and it It helps to review from time to time where we think we are and what impact we are having on those people most important to us and who are depending on us to give them good guidance. So thank you all for participating today. It was a pleasure spending this quality time with you. And I encourage you from time to time to take inventory of yourself and uh, see how things are going. All righty. We'll catch up again with each other tomorrow. In the meantime, some more wonderful music to say goodbye.